You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. Is there room in your hearts for Jesus to tell his story? Is there enough room? Did you know that books were written in heaven about us before we were born? Before the earth was made, the Holy Trinity spoke about all of us. They wrote books about all of us before time and we weren't there, which is a bit rude. They didn't want our input. They loved us and planned us and we had no idea because God is God and we are not. So is there room in your heart for God to tell his story? We are the imperfect books that people read everywhere, whether we like it or not. We are all broken, but God. People reading us understand this, and it's okay to be broken as long as there's room in our hearts for us to tell his story. For instance, if someone's a Christian, a really Christian hypocrite, um, they might go to church and look holier than thou and tell people how to live their lives and they might, I don't know, cheat on their spouse, they might steal, they might, you know, issue obscenities and just live like anyone else. People say, oh, such a hypocrite. Or if someone who's lukewarm... And they just blend in with the rest of the world and don't look like anyone different. So why, why would anyone want Jesus? I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talk- if we're broken, but we're still in our brokenness. His story comes out all the better. So it's okay to be broken. So what is our broken? What are our limitations in order for our hearts to have our lives to display the written word of his story? What hinders us from Jesus writing his story in us for others to read? Mostly fear and lack of trust. It's and pride. Fear and lack of trust can in time lead to unbelief, which is a sin, and that's not somewhere you want to go to. So we we have this fear and lack of trust. So who told you your prayers aren't getting heard just because you haven't seen any answers to them? Who said? Who told you? Who told you you can't get up and preach a sermon? Who told you? Did God? I certainly didn't. God didn't. God would never do that. Who said you can't go and pray for someone for healing just because it's never worked before? Who told you? Sometimes it's our own personal experience and fear of rejection, which is, and we've all got that. No one wants to be rejected. We're not designed by God to be rejected. 
Who said we'd fail anyway if this time, if we went up and prayed for someone? This might be the time it works. So it doesn't come from God. The enemy, our enemy, likes to pollute our minds with his plans, his filth. Ingrained and reprogramming our minds from the time we draw breath. He seeks to kill and destroy. But we need God's operating system in our mind. We need to reprogram our minds. And this is why our minds always, until we go to glory, needs renewing by his word. Romans 12.2, we all know this. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I think it also says after that, and the, and the fear that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We all need that peace. It's normal to fear and doubt, and it's normal for it to climb into our thinking because we're human and we're broken and because of the world we live in, but we don't let it camp there and party all night. We get the word. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. Rabbi, a messianic rabbi named Zef Porat. He said that that verse in Revelation where it says the enemy will, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up his standard against him. I always wonder, oh, what's the standard? It's the standard of God's word. And when the flood, he said, what it means in Hebrew is when the flood of words comes in, the enemy's words trying to destroy you, you raise up the standard of God's word. Okay? When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what was his first line of defence? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but etc., etc. So, what would happen if we went out and, say, if Jan got up and preached anyway, when she said to me before, oh, no, I couldn't do that. Who said? Sorry, Jan. I love you, Jan. That's right. Who said? And for me to go up and pray for someone, well, it's never worked for me before, but who says it's not going to work next time? You see, even if we do it and we fail, so to speak, God is pleased. And he's the one to whom we are accountable to. Not everyone else's approval. Which is hard, but that's the truth. Jesus was limited by unbelief of other people in his own hometown of Capernaum. And Nazareth, in that area... He, he said, oh, this is, not the, is this not the carpenter's son? Are not his sisters with us? And he was limited. The disciples stuffed up and made fools of themselves. And they're human just like us. But look where they went because they didn't stop. And they were broken people just like us. And they were very diverse in their backgrounds too. There were people that normally wouldn't get together. 
I mean, most of them would never associate with a tax collector. Yet his gospel's in our Bible. So it doesn't matter what sort of life you've lived before. Don't think, oh, well, I've, I've majorly stuffed up or I'm too old or I'm too this or I'm too that. No. We're all qualified. So how do we make room in our hearts for Jesus to write his story? I want to read Psalm 139, the whole thing, in the Passion Translation, because it's awesome. Psalm 139, for the pure and shining one, David's poetic song. Isn't that beautiful? Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak, even before I start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey begins. That's handy to know. He's probably seen my driving. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of the past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're waiting there. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It is impossible to disappear from you. Or ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as day. There is no difference between the two. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside. And wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvellously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in a secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I wake each morning, you're still with me. And I'm going to skip that because David ran out of coffee in one part. He wants God to come and kill people. So I'll leave that bit where he ran out of coffee. 
Verse 23. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on. And lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. What a beautiful psalm. I just want to go through it because there's a few things I want to bring out. Lord, you know everything there is... Back to verse 1. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul. He knows our moods and our feelings and he understands. And you understand my every thought even before it enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book. He's so close to us. Even if we can't feel it, he's there. And you know the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. It is finished, Jesus said. Satan cannot use our past sin and stuff-ups against us anymore because the blood of Jesus has washed it away. There is no record. I don't care what you've done. There is no record. Jesus does not know. And not just the mistakes of our past but severe trauma as well. He spares me from the harm of my past. The memories of things are harmful. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing upon me, my life. What has been stolen from us by Satan in our life has to be repaid. That is the law of the Lord. Sevenfold, yeah. That's the blessing. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. The wonder and strength, it's encouragement and we can trust him. Because when we consider all of this, we know how trustworthy he is. Amen? Amen? Yeah. We can't get away from him. We're never invisible to him, no matter what happens to us. Because where can I go from your spirit? It's a hanging question. The answer is nowhere. Where could I run and hide from your face? That means his face is always directed at us. He's always looking. We can trust. We can relax in him. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I went up to there, I wouldn't come back. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. There is nowhere where we're, not inv- we're never invisible. If, and all these pla- if I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. At the start of our life or at the start of the day, if I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting at the end of the day, at the end of our life. 
He's there at the beginning. He's there at the finish line. It's okay. We can relax. We can trust him. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It is impossible to disappear from you or ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. Our night is our struggles, mistakes, wrong directions, fear. He is the lamp to our path. And when we are totally lost, when we've totally blown it and thought, how do I get back? He provides a way. Always. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as day. There is no difference between the two. You, you formed my innermost being and wove my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. The Hebrew word for, um, for knit or wove can be translated as to cover or to defend, most likely both. God places an eternal spirit inside the conceived child within the womb of a mother and covers that life, sends the child a guardian angel and, and watches over him or her. That's pretty amazing. When conception started, that was all done. And when it says in verse 16, you saw who you created me to be before I became me, literally before I became an embryo. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Not just numbers, but the story of our life, what God had planned, what we, he intended us to do, which we've mostly probably missed it. But that's okay. And there were books, people have been to heaven and come back and said that there were books written about us of what we will do, what we will say, what God's plans were for our life, which is pretty amazing. And we had nothing to do with it. So in my book, there's probably up there written before creation and I'd be up here doing this. So which is quite precious and wonderful to consider. And we are cherished. God cherishes us constantly in every thought. More than the grains of sand on the shore. Now, that's an awful lot of sand. And when I awake each morning, you're still with me. I just want to read some quotes from Charles Spurgeon. I found some, but not the ones I wanted. Before I say that, I just want to read Matthew 7.14, that the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it, which is quite scary because some people say if you don't fit through the gate, you're not saved. But the gateway is... It's the gateway to trust and peace in Messiah. And it's only found by going through the narrow gate. If we want to go in, we have to leave all our baggage and all our limitations behind. Have you ever been at a restaurant 
and if you had too much tea, coffee, something to drink, and you think, I need to go to the bathroom, and everyone's all crowded in, people have got their chairs backed out forever, and you've got to really think thin to get through with a full bladder, or whatever other reason you're going, and navigate, yeah. We have to think thin. We can't take, I couldn't wear my backpack because I probably built someone in the head with it, which might be desirable at the time, I don't know, who knows. But <laughs> we gotta leave that behind and just take ourselves and navigate, think thin, get through. We can't take our baggage with us. Fear, lack of trust, it can't go through that door. Now, a fear of um, the little things that come up and anxieties that attack us, yes, but the, the lack of trust, we've got to trust. And the other fears, well, they just come and go. Then there will be room in our hearts for Jesus to write his story in big letters and flashing lights. And this is what some people have called the crucified life. I'm just going to read a few of Toza's quotes. I don't know why it printed so small. Anyway, those who seek the dip, deeper Christian life and those who want the riches that are in Christ Jesus the Lord seek no place, no wealth, no things, only Christ. One important point many fail to understand is that the Bible was never meant to replace God. Rather, it was meant to lead us into the heart of God. Too many Christians stop with a text and never go on to experience the presence of God. If we understand that everything happening to us is to make, more, make us more Christ-like, it will solve a great deal of anxiety in our lives. Too often, we give God only the tired remnants of our time. If Jesus Christ had given us only the remnant of his time, we would all be on our way to that darkness that knows no morning. Christ gave us not the tattered leftovers of his time, he gave us all the time he had. But some of us only give him only the leftovers of our money and of our talents, and never give our time fully to the Lord Jesus Christ who gave us all. Because he gave us all what we have, and he calls us as he is, so are we in this world. One of the strange things about God is that he will come in as far as we allow him. I've often said that a Christian is as full of the Holy Spirit as he wants to be. We can beg to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can talk about it, but until we are willing to empty ourselves, we will never have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God will fill as much of us as we will allow him to fill. One of the problems dating back to the early church was that the static Christian the static Christian is one who is slowed in his spiritual progress. This is a problem we need to face today in the Christian church. The great challenge is how do we get 
such Christians interested in becoming more than the average run-of-the-mill type of believers we see everywhere. God created man to know him. Now, when they say know him in Hebrew, it means very intimately. And to know him in a fuller degree than any other creature can know God, even more than angels. No other creature has Christ and no other creature has the capacity to know, other, to know God. My circumstances are no indication of whether the smiling favour of God is upon me. Fear causes me to look around at my circumstances instead of looking up at the smiling face of God. I've got plenty there I could go on with, but I'm not. Instead... I'm going to finish with a prayer, the last part of this. Let's pray. God, we invite your searching gaze into our hearts. Examine us through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within us. Put us to the test and sift through all our anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain we're walking on. And lead us back to your glorious, everlasting ways, the path that brings us back to you. Amen.